third week in a row, would you please turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. We read a portion of the Christmas story as found in verses 8 through 11. That's Luke chapter 2. And since we only have four verses this morning, rather than read responsibly, we'll read in unison all four verses, verses 8 through 11. Give you a moment to get there. Luke in chapter number 2, verses 8 through 11, and reading in unison. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Let's make our prayer. Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit of God, as we take these very familiar verses, Lord, to most everyone in this room, Lord, speak to us afresh and anew. Lord, may it not become old or mundane or, Lord, for the, if we're 50 years old or 60 years old or however old we are, that we've heard these verses, Lord, every, every year almost at Christmas time. Lord, may they be fresh and anew in our hearts and lives. And may we speak to every heart we pray this morning. And may we take it not for granted that, Lord, there may be boys or girls or or moms or dads or adults here, the Lord, need to know Christ is their Savior this morning. Maybe they're a church member, dear God, but Lord, I pray that you'd speak to every heart, saved and unsaved this morning. We'll thank you for what you're going to do. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated, of course. Did we get rid of the kids? Are the kids still here? Did the kids go? Okay, the kids are gone, I guess. All right. So good to have you this morning here, of course. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of hurt on this joyful Christian Christmas morning. I'm kind of hurt that the men's quartet didn't invite me to sing with them. I, I can't believe it. And uh, I know Brother Tony's... He, it ain't going to happen, I'll tell you right now. That's for sure. And yeah, amen, amen. There would be a quartet. Me and Tim and Tony and let's see who else wants to be in that big four. You don't want to have that happen, I promise you. That was great, guys. Really appreciate it greatly. Wonderful. Good singing, congregational singing as well. This is our third time that we've been in the book of Luke, chapter 2, third message in a row. Lord willing, we'll be there next week as well. And uh, preaching on Christmas words in a Christless world. We looked at hope in a hopeless world a couple weeks ago. We looked at why we have hope and how we have hope. We preached a message last week on the, the, the peace in a peaceless world, and we looked at the, the person of peace, the pursuit of peace, the presentation of peace, and personal peace. This morning, our text verse, again, very familiar to most all of us, in fact, I'm sure to all of us. The angel came to the shepherds, verse 10 will suffice as our text verse, and the angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Great joy, which shall be to all people. I want to deal with the subject of joy in a joyless world, a joy in a world of 2020, a joy that uh, maybe some of you said, where did the joy go this year? And maybe you're saying, where's the joy this winter here? Hey, we, just on a positive note, just for a moment, it just dawned on me. We had the best weather of the year I think we've ever had in Connecticut for years and years, up until this was Wednesday, the first snowstorm we've had. 
and it is December after all, and it is Connecticut, and so we're supposed to get some snow eventually, and uh, it's pretty out there, but we've had some beautiful days, of course, but overall, it's been a rough year. I want to deal with the subject of joy. The shepherd said joy. I want to begin by stating the obvious. There's a lot of misunderstanding about joy, a lot of confusion. Some people think that joy has to do with happenings, of course, and this year, of course, this past year, a lot of things haven't been happening. We're in a cancel culture. We've got a whole calendar. We've got a, the wall calendar that we fill out every year. I like to plan way in advance and like to pen things in on the, with pen and ink in regards to what's happening in 2021. There's no pen and ink in anything. It's all pencil. Everything is pencil because we don't know what's gonna, what the future holds, of course. And uh, happiness doesn't depend on happenings, but we sometimes think it does. There's a lot of misunderstanding. Paul wrote four what we call prison epistles, one of them being, of course, the book of Philippians. And in Philippians 4, verse 11, he said, I've learned what sort of state I'm in, therewith to be content. And that includes Connecticut, of course. That includes uh, whatever state you might be from, of course, and, uh, and it includes what state of mind that we're in. But Paul, when he wrote those words, I'm uh, I've content, uh, I'll be what Sarah said, I mean, there were the, to be content. He was ready to lose his head. And I'm talking literally now for a moment. And he knew it. He was in a Roman prison. And, of course, that's how Paul's demise would come by the Roman executioner, of course. But he said those words. I've learned what Sarah said, I mean, there were to be content. Here we have uh, this story about the shepherds and this joy. I wanted to give you three, if I can, in a way of defining what joy is, there's first of all a popular understanding of joy. That's something reserved for some for a special moment. Joy needs to be more than just a special time at Christmas time. As somebody corrected me, in fact Bob Bagman corrected me, thank you Bob. I, I said Bing Crosby did uh, it's the most wonderful time of the year and it was Andy Andy Williams, I guess. I was gonna say Andy Griffin, but Andy Williams that, that uh, sang that song. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Do we have to wait till Christmas to have joy? Uh, a special moment in time, a special, special uh, time of the year, and then it goes away. They say more suicides happen after Christmas. That's really pretty depressing after the New Year's, I should say. And this is uh, people look forward to this time of year, of course, time to be with friends and family and loved ones and so forth, and the Christmas season and the Christmas spirit. Some people have a misunderstanding that joy is. Uh, revolves around a special moment. Then there's a dictionary understanding of what joy is. And I broke it down in four, four uh, divisions, if you will, according to Webster's Dictionary. A vivid emotion that includes satisfaction, to use one bullet point in the dictionary. A vivid moment that includes satisfaction, some event or accomplishment you look forward to experiencing. There's some things I look forward to in this year. Again, there's many things have been dashed. I always bring up uh, football this time of year here. I used to like football. I still like football. I used to like college football big time, of course, and I, I, uh, but not so much this year. It's been the, the off year, of course, in fact, uh, and there's another league out there. They call it the professional league, of course, and, uh, and uh, I used to like that, but I, I've, I'm done with that now, now nowadays. I'm, I'm done with things. Looking forward to a super day, super those, those days. Uh, not, I'm, I'm done with all that. It's uh, 
a vivid emotion which includes satisfaction of an accomplishment or an event. And I'm not looking forward to some things anymore here. And the Bible talks about joy, joy in a joyless world. It's a dictionary definition of a vivid emotion that includes satisfaction, but secondly, letter B on our worksheet, a feeling of pleasure. Now, we're starting to have a problem right out of the gate here this morning as we're dealing with, with joy. Life is full of non-pleasurable experiences. And people have, there's people in this room that have health issues. The people I talk to probably as much as anybody this, this, this year, of course, have been our people in the nursing home. We have five specific people, I won't name them, that, in the nursing home. Someone, I'll just say, one of the five called me the other day and said, uh, Preacher, I need to talk to you at least twice a week. Uh, I, I get depressed. I don't want you to think who, that, who I'm talking about. Hopefully most of you won't know, but they're depressed. And they, they, uh, this year has been a tough year for them. I don't know about you, but I get frustrated. Anybody get frustrated in 2020? Or, it never happens to you. It happens to me, though. And uh, We get righteously indignant. By the way, there is such a thing as being righteously indignant. Jesus was righteously indignant. And it is a justified righteous, righteous indignancy, that, uh, dignity, if that's the right word, that, that can happen to us and happen to the children of God. I don't like what's happening in, in our country. I don't like what's happening in in our, in our world, for that matter. And this feeling of pleasure, joy, is uh, the understanding that joy comes from a certain feelings of pleasure, pleasure but letter C and D, it's uh, thirdly, an exaltation of the spirit. And my spirit is, the Bible says, rejoices in God my Savior, but my spirit doesn't rejoice in a lot of things in this world. And then it's, uh, it's a gladness or delight and uh, not a lot of delight in this world right now. So we have a, there's misunderstandings on joy. There's a popular understanding that's the, the world, worldly understanding. There's a dictionary understanding that's very similar to the popular understanding of a special moment or event. But then there's the New Testament understanding. And that's where we need to park for a few moments. The word joy there is the word, many of you know it probably, it's the word kara. Keras or kara, rather. And of course, sometimes Christian families name their, their girl, instead of naming their girl Joy, they name her Kara. And then it's the Greek name for, for joy. Well, you might know that, and we find it many times throughout the New Testament, this word Kara for joy or joyous or rejoicing, another derivative. But there's another word, and it's the word charis. And of course, that's the word for grace. And uh, Kara, or charis, I should say, the word for grace produces Kara. Grace produces joy. The Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works as any man should boast. And so this New Testament understanding that God is, has shown us, his, the word grace has to do with favor, unmerited favor. I thank God for his unmerited favor in our lives. Nobody here deserves to be saved. Nobody deserves to be saved. If you're not saved, you don't, you don't deserve heaven. I always ask the question when I'm talking to, many times I ask the question when I'm talking to somebody about receiving Christ as their Savior. If Jesus were willing to die for you, and he was, and you were willing to ask him to save you, do you think if you asked him to come into your heart to save you that he would do that? And the answer usually is, well, yes, I think he would. And that's the right answer, but it's almost like, well, of course, why wouldn't he want to come into my heart? Why wouldn't he want to save me? That's amazing that he'd want to save you. It's amazing that he'd want to save us. It's unmerited favor. There's nothing good in ourselves. 
that Christ would want to come in and save our, save our soul. So I have three questions this morning. Here's the message proper this morning here, if we could. First of all, what kind of joy should we experience? What kind of joy should we experience? Look at verse number nine, of course. The shepherds. I imagine there were some lonely nights for the shepherds, lonely days, lonely nights. We looked at it last week. They were abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. They were working the first shift, the second shift, and the third shift. And they had a dirty job, a smelly job. We talked about it last week. They had a lowly job, a low position, not a high position in life. And people didn't didn't, didn't model them. They despised them. And they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, verse number 9 the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. What kind of joy do you have tonight, this morning here in regards to the joy that we're talking about that is the joy that's not found in this world? The joy that the shepherds experienced didn't emanate from earth, but from above. My joy, 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, Brother Tony, Pastor Tony preached on it a little bit this morning here. I have not seen, nor ear hath heard, nor hath entered in the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. You can't imagine how good heaven's going to be, how beautiful heaven must be. We can't imagine it in our wildest imaginations how great heaven's going to be, how wonderful it's going to be. But the Bible says in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20, for our conversation or our lifestyle or our citizenship is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. This, this out-of-this-world experience, our joy cannot come from this earth. This world is not my home, we're just passing through, the songwriter said. We can't get our joy from this world. I want you to notice that the shepherds, their joy, their greatest joy, the moment of joy in their life, it was a special event when the angels came from heaven. And one day there's going to be a shout. One day the voice of the trump of God and the voice of the archangel is going to shout. Christians are going to hear it. Non-Christians are not going to hear it. It's going to be a confusion for them. The Lord's going to say, come up hither. And we're going to be raptured out of here. Not ruptured out of here, raptured out of here. I look forward to that. Look forward to that day. But joy, this joy that these shepherds had, this out of this world joy, it began with an awe, with an amazement. He, they said, first of all, the angel said to them, fear not. Some even unbelief. They, they couldn't believe that they, God spoke to them. Uh, the song says, wonder of wonders, that Jesus loves me. That Jesus would reach down, and I was hearing a testimonial about, uh, again, Pastor Tony, we were just talking this morning, just popped in my head in regards to, Missionary John Smith, am I getting it right? Looking at Betty, because you know what I'm talking about. And, and uh, Pastor Tony said we need to, he knows them. Of course, he did their video for them. I didn't know that. We're private conversation. Missionary family, of course. They got gloriously saved. They were, they were in the Marine Corps. They, he was a Marine, of course. He got gloriously saved. I don't know the story. I just heard it again this morning, just right before the message. And uh, their life has been totally transformed, to to- totally turned around, and totally changed. Do you remember when you were awed that the God of heaven would speak to you through his Holy Spirit of God? 
So when you heard the gospel preached, you saw you need to be saved, and maybe you're here and you haven't seen your need to be saved yet. You understand a voice from heaven to speak to you. And the angels, there's one thing the angels don't have on us. They never felt the joy, the song says, that our salvation brings. Angels, have always, they were created to give God glory and praise forever. We were created with a choice. And we had free will. The Bible says, whosoever will may come. But God's spirit still, no man's born of his own will, but of the spirit of God. God's, will, God's spirit must work in your heart. To think that God spoke to you like he spoke to the angels in, in heaven. Or rather, he spoke to the shepherds uh, uh, from, from heaven itself. And uh, we're looking for joy in all the wrong places. We're looking for joy in America. We're looking for joy in this world. We're looking for joy in satisfaction in, in events. Uh, somebody asked me in, uh, what, we, what we're doing for Christmas this Christmas. I, I've done a lot of traveling, probably more than mo- most of you in this room here, so I'm not complaining at all. And we've been with fa- friends and family, but we're not doing anything for Christmas per se, uh, anything special. We're, we get together with a handful of family members, but we don't have all the family coming in, of course. It's a different year than ever before. Our joy is not going to be found in our family, per se. Our joy is not going to be found in our Christmas get-together. Our joy is not going to be found in this, what this world has to offer in, in a vacation or what have you. Those things are not where our joy is found. Our joy is out of this world joy. It's joy that the world cannot understand. But then I ask you a question, second question this morning of three. Verse number 10, notice what it says. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings... Of great joy. Let me question number two. Do you have joy? That, that word good tidings is one word in the Greek language. Most of you know it. Of course, we get our, it's the word evangelion or evangelistic. We get our word evangelized from or evangelization. Or it's the word for the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. The good news of... So I ask you a question. Do you have, do you have the good news? Have you received the good news? Not just in your head, but in your heart. We just sang the song. I love that song. We sing it oftentimes, into my heart, into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. There needs to come a time and a place in your heart and life where you call upon Christ alone to save you. It's one thing to hear it up here. It's one thing to even believe it. It's another thing to receive it. Ask Jesus to come into your heart and be your Savior. You must, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That good news is good news that Christ died for me. Christ died for you personally. And so it's, the, the angels said those words, good tidings to these shepherds. But he said, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Not just joy, but great joy. That word great is, of course, the Greek word. Of course, you all know it too. It's the word mega. And it's, it's, when we think of mega joy or great joy, we think of lasting joy. Stupendous joy and incredible joy. Joy that doesn't pass away even in sorrow. Now here's the record. Here's for the record. We're going to have days of sorrow. Anybody had days? Don't raise your hand, please. Anybody had days of sorrow this year? Of course. Before this week is out and this week of celebration, we're going to probably have days of sorrow. We're going to hear a loved one unexpectedly dying or a tragic event that happens. There's days of sorrow. There's days of heartache. There's days of... Jesus said, in this world you shall suffer persecution, you shall have tribulation, you'll suffer persecution. And so we're going to have days of sorrow, but this sorrow 
This, this joy that we're talking about is lasting joy, joy that doesn't even pass away even in sorrow. In other words, here's the punchline in regards to do you have joy? Only a real Christian can have real joy. The song said, if you want joy, real joy, wonderful joy, let Jesus come into your heart. The kid's song was, I've got the peace that passes understanding where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. I have the love of Jesus, love of Jesus. Where? Down in my heart. Down in my heart to what? To stay. I want us to talk about it. It's not on your worksheet just for the record, but I'm going to give you just quickly four benefits of joy. There's a lot of benefits of joy, but I'm going to give you four specific benefits. I think there are two-word answers for them here. First of all, the first benefit of Christian joy is improved health. Improved health. Proverbs 17.22 says, A merry heart doth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. We know that people that are happy are more healthy than people that are not happy. Uh, people that are not happy, uh, we've seen it happen this year, I know personally, and I, I'll be evasive on purpose, but people that have committed suicide because they were not joyous, but they were sad, sorrowful, and full of despair. Happy people, joyous people, people that have the joy deep down in their heart, have an improved health situation. Doctors will tell you that, nurses will tell you that, and the medical field will tell you that. So the first benefit of Christian joy, one of the benefits of Christian joy is improved health. Secondly, it's answered prayers. Several verses could be used for this. Isaiah 57 and verse 15, he inhabits the praises of Israel, the throne room of Israel. Um, Psalm 100 and verse 4, I will enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving into his courts with what? Praise. He's the God of Judah. He's the, the line of the tribe of Judah. That's, uh, Judah means praise. The one famous preacher of days gone by said, We've, I've praised more down from God than I ever prayed down from God. Hezekiah began to praise the Lord in God in, when he was engulfed with all the enemies, the Ammonites and the Moabites and all those other mites. And of course, they began to praise and sing praises to God and Lord wrought the victory. They didn't have to lift a finger, of course, to lift a lift a sword. God destroyed the enemy, of course. And we see that over and over and over again. And God does some amazing things when we praise him. We get into his throne room of grace and his throne room of praise. In John 16, verse 24, the Bible says, Ask and you receive that your joy may be full. And so we, we and the second benefit of praise is that of answered prayers. And then, thirdly, a third benefit of praise is a bless, your blessing to others. Nobody wants to be around a grumpy, grumpy, uh, depressing person, of course. You want to be around somebody that's uplifting. And I, I think of some people in this room, I don't want to get in trouble here, but I could name some names of, uh, I'll singularize the gender, some ladies in this room that I'm thinking of particularly, you know who you are, that uh, full of praise. And they're just, they're, they're, they're always on the, find the happy side of life. They're, they're the Pollyannas of the church, always saying the good side of things. There's some guys that are like that too, but not too many. Most of us are grumps. <laughs> Most of us gripe and so forth. But it's a blessing to be around people that are joyous. If you want to verse 1 Thessalonians 2.19, Paul said, For what is my joy, my hope, my crown of rejoicing are not even ye in Jesus Christ. So it's good to be around happy people. I get a text every morning, seven days a week, from my good pastor friend, Steve Baker, of course, over in Pennsylvania. Some of you know Pastor Baker. And every morning he sends me and about 54 other people a, a text. It's always positive. 
God, we're on the winning side, he reminds us. We're, we, we, Jesus is on the throne. We're a child of God. He's always uplifting, in a, and I need that every morning. I look forward to getting my, my text from my dear brother that's always encouraging and uplifting. And so the first benefit of praise, or joy rather, is improved health. It's secondly, answered prayers. Uh, thirdly, it's to be a blessing to others. And fourthly, simplistically put, it's, uh, it leads to a happier life. A happier life. Psalm, 11, Psalm 16, verse 11, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. And on thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. I shouldn't say this, but I, I'm going to give a name here. Let me say it in a preface here. Uh, I have issues with Joel Olstein, the preacher. But I will tell you that I actually watched him two, a couple of weeks ago. My wife and I sat down and watched him on television for about 20 minutes. Now, I'm not endorsing. I'm just saying what happened. We were totally silent. And I was thinking the whole time he was preaching, man, that's really good. And then about 15 minutes into it, uh, my wife said, boy, that's really, that's good preaching. I said, that's exactly what I was thinking. It really was good preaching. You see, Joel Osteen always looks on the positive side of life. That's why people like him so much. And, you know, there is a positive side of life. Psalm 16, verse 11, let me read it to you again. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. And on the right hand, are, there are pleasures forevermore. Here's the fact of the matter. As Christians, we are the most blessed people on the face of God's green earth. We are blessed, and we are going to a heaven that's eternal and no more sorrow, no more death, no more sickness, no more pain. For the former things to be passed away. We do win. It is worth it all. What we saying? It will be worth it all. It is worth it all now to serve the Lord, of course. And so there's, there's joy. I ask you a question. Do you have joy? Not as the world giveth, give I unto you, Jesus said. But a different type of joy, an inner joy. A peaceful joy. So number three, question number three is found in verse number 11 to begin we asked the question, what kind of joy should we experience? Well, the angels came in verse number nine to the shepherds. Their joy was out of this world joy. Verse number 10, it was good tidings of great joy. Not just joy, but great joy, lasting joy. Joy that improves your health, that gives answered prayers, that is a blessing to others, that leads to a happier life. But we get to verse number 11, notice it with me. For unto you... That's every one of us, that's you plural, is born this day. Think with me for a moment. For the shepherds, that very day that Jesus was born, they were, they were found out about it. And Jesus, Bible says, this day. Now, don't get hung up on this. Some of you might not know this, and some, most of you do know it, but we don't know that Jesus was born on December 25th. In fact, that's, that's man's tradition is what it is. Now, I can make a good case for, I, I, in fact, if I was Ben, man, I'd say there's one in 365 chance that he was born on December 25th. And I make it even higher than that. I think there's a good argument for him being born in December, but I can make a good argument for September or October as well. And, and the fact of the matter is, my most sophisticated theological answer is when Jesus was born was, the answer is, I don't know. That's the real answer. But I will tell you this. Today, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus was born, that's a fact, or he came to this earth. Jesus has always been. This day, Jesus can be 
Not just your babe in the major, but you mean your Christ on the cross. And so the, the, the word of God says, the angel said, for unto you is born this day in the city of David. We looked at it last week. That's Bethlehem, of course. A savior. It's a savior in Matthew chapter one and verse 21. The angel said to Mary, and she shall bring forth her firstborn son, shall wrap him, shall lie him in a manger, and thou shalt call his name, do you know it? Jesus, for he shall what? Save his people from their sins. The word Jesus means Yehoshua, of course, it means Jehovah saves. Jesus saves. We've heard the joyful song, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Why, 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 should, we, why should Jesus uh, coming bring joy? Because first of all, he's the Christ. He came this day for the shepherds. He came today in our lives. He came as their Savior. But then he's, the Bible says, to finish the verse, the Savior, which is Christ. As a transliteration, of course, it's the word Christos. The Hebrew equivalent, of course, would be Mashiach or Messiah, we know it as. The Christ, the Christ, excuse me, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And so that word Christ means the anointed one. The anointed one. It means the appointed one. In the Old Testament, when Samuel, the Samuels and the Nathans went to anoint the king or a prophet, they would pour a horn of oil over them. And Jesus is the anointed priest. Muslims are half right. He is a prophet, but he's not just a holy prophet. He's the prophet. He's the prophet of prophets. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the God of all gods. He's the one and only true God. But he's the Christ. And, he's, and Christians are appointed ones, are anointed ones. And if you've been saved, you've been touched by the anointing of God, you've received the Holy Spirit of God. You've received it that's indwelling of the Spirit of God that's, uh, he'll never leave you nor, nor forsake you. He'll abide with you forever. And so we, are, we have the anointed one. Yeah, that means that we are saved. If you're saved this morning and you've received Christ as your Savior, you have Christ even when you don't feel like you have him. You ever feel like that? Like, like Christ, Jesus, where are you? He's still with you. Uh, the, the anointing never leaves. He seals us into the day of redemption. We're, we're his. I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. And so we can have joy that the world has no idea about because, because of Christ. He's the anointed one. Have you received the anointing? You may have listened and you can be in church for years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. I think being many, and I'm, I don't want to think of anybody in this room here. I, I, I would like to think everybody in this room has already received Christ as their Savior, but that would be foolhardy of me, foolish of me to think that way. I don't know your heart. You may just be a decent person. You may be just saying, I want to be respectful. I want to honor God, worship God. You need to honor and worship God by receiving his Son as your Savior. The Bible says you need to come unto him. You need to be anointed. You need to receive Christ alone. When is the day of your new birth? Everybody here can tell me the day of your physical birth. Can you tell me the day of your new birth, your second birth, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior? And so joy comes because of Christ and his anointing. But then verse number 11, the last two, last phrase again, as we dissect the verse it says, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ, 
we have Christ, we have his anointing, we should be joyful. But then it says, the Lord. Because of the Lord. Look at verse number 9. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. It's the word, again, we see the same word in verse number 11. It's the word kurios in the Greek language, of course. In Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, found nearly 5,280 times in the, the, uh, the Old Testament. It's the word Yahweh or Jehovah, of course. It's synonymous with this word used in this context of the Lord, kurios. And we have the Lord. Think about that. In Joel 1, verse 15, let me quote you a verse. Alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand. The day of God is at hand. He's coming back to this earth one day. He's coming to destroy this earth, by the way. And, uh, but he's coming, first of all, to catch his bride away first. And it says, and Lord, the day of the Lord is at hand, and, and as a destruction from the Almighty shall it come. Revelation 1.8 and Revelation 4.8 are sister verses to Joel 1.15. Let me read them to you or quote them to you. I am Alpha and Omega, Revelation 1.8. The beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, Curios, by the way, which is and which, which it was and which is to come, the Almighty. Now I googled the other day as in preparation for this message. I googled the question, is Jesus God? Of course, I already know the answer, but I wanted to see what Google had to say about it. I encourage you to do that. You'll see what Google has to say about it. The God questions section, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Most of you that surf the web, you know what I'm talking about. It comes up second on the list right there. And I hid one of those, and it, said, and it had the, the Christian answer, and then it had the non-Christian answer. And two completely opposite answers. The Christian answer is, of course, he's God, Emmanuel, God with us. The non-Christian answer, answer is no, Jesus, uh, God is, there's one God in heaven, but Jesus was uh, the son of God. He's, he was man. And uh, the, the, the non-Christian answer. But this answer here in Revelation 4, 8, it says, And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they had rest not day or night, and saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. This Lord, we should have joy because we have the Christ. We have the Savior. We have Jesus. We have the Lord. We have God Almighty. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. John 1.1. 1, 1. Let's see if we can quote it together. You should know, oh, every Christian, this should be mandatory required learning in your repertoire here. Try to quote it with me. John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In verse 14, the Bible says, And the word was made what? Flesh. And dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so Jesus saves. Jesus is the Christ. And Jesus is the Lord. It brings joy. But then thirdly, I want you to notice, why should Jesus' coming bring joy? Well, because he's the Christ, he's the anointed one. Because he's the Lord, we have the Almighty One. But the message this, this morning, obviously, in the last two Sundays, has been on Christmas words. Hope. Hope in a hopeless world. Peace. Peace in a peaceless world. 
Joy, joy in a joyless world. Lord willing, next Sunday, love in a loveless world. But there's another Christmas word that's not considered one of the four main Christmas words, but it's really as much of a Christian word as, as any other word that we've just talked about. Glance over, it's on the same page in my Bible, probably is on yours too, Luke chapter 1. Glance at verse number 50, if you would please. Zechariah said, And his mercy is upon them that fear him from generation to generation. Look at verse number 54 again, Zechariah's words. Uh, he hath hope in his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. Later on, look at what the verse says in verse number 72 of Luke chapter 1. And to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. In verse number 78 it is. Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us. That word mercy, Psalm 136, if you were to turn there, you need not turn there, but 26 verses in Psalm 126, or 136 rather. And every verse ends with this fact, as his, for his mercy endureth forever. Aren't you thankful for his mercy? Now, Let's take it, let's qualify, let's understand what that mercy is for. That mercy is for the, the child of God. That person that has Christ as their Savior. That person that has Jesus as their Savior. That person that has the God of the Bible, the Almighty, as their Lord. Not for anyone else, because the mercy will end for all people that receive not Christ as their Savior. And we're, we're there in shall bow, but thank God for his mercy. I thank God for his amazing love. Ephesians 2, verse number 4, but God commendeth his love, but God who is rich in mercy, wherewith he loved us, uh, he, he sent his son to die for us. I think of this song written by Charles Wesley in 1764. He wrote a lot of good songs, that Methodist. And he wrote that, those words, and can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? To many people, church is so boring Church has no desire, no interest in church and the things of God and things of Christ. Let me just tattle real quickly here, just for the record. When I see, and this is a preacher thing, I'm not picking on anybody, I'm just saying what is. When I sit in my chair and I, we're singing songs of the faith, and I look out and I see people not singing, it tells me one of two things. Either they're not familiar with the song or, they're, or maybe they don't have a song in their heart to sing. Pardon me, just being honest. Don't get mad at me. But the Bible says he has put a new song in my heart. Many shall hear it and so shall give him praise, of course, Psalm 40. Uh, a Christian has something to sing about, even if they can't sing, Brother Tony. Amen. We have something to sing about. And, and can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me, Charles Wesley said, who caused his pain. He died for me. For me, who him to death pursued, he went willingly to the cross of Calvary. For me, amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, didst die for me? Second verse says, "'Tis mystery all, the immortal dies." There's a lot of things in the Bible I can't explain. I can't explain, for example, when Jesus was on the cross, he said, "'My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me?' God separated from God, I can't figure that out. 
theologians have books, volumes have been written on that one, one statement. God in heaven turned his back on God the Son because he bore my sin. He bore your sin. You can't, you can't explain that. You can't comprehend that. Who can explore this strange design, Wesley said. In vain, the firstborn seraph tries. The chief angel tries to sound the depths of love divine. Tis mercy all, let earth adore. Let angels' minds inquire no more. Case settled, he did it anyhow, even though we can't explain it. Verse number five of that great song of Wesley. No condemnation I dread. I believe in what's called eternal security. I believe in once saved, always saved. I believe in what's called everlasting life, eternal life in through Jesus Christ our Lord. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life, that you may believe in the name of the Son of God. Jesus saves and he saves completely. He saves forever. And I want you to notice there's no condemnation now, to, now I dread. Jesus said, all in him is mine. Alive in him my living head and clothed in righteousness divine. Behold, I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. Corey Ten Boom, I'm sure many of you know the name, of course, the World War II Holocaust survivor, once said, if Jesus were born a thousand times in Bethlehem and not in me, then I would still be lost. I'm hoping that we're going to get a bump in the crowd on Wednesday night as we have to celebrate our Christmas Eve Eve service. I'm hoping that some people that never come to church all year long maybe say, I'm going to come to that Christmas Eve service and hear the gospel preached. They, they may they believe in the babe in the manger, but do they, have they received the Christ of the cross? Maybe they're looking for joy. We'll sing the song, Joy to the World, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. We'll sing those great songs of the faith. But will they have joy just for the, the hour that we're in church, for example, or the, 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 the Christmas cantata? Will they have joy just for the few minutes of the specials? Or will they have joy that's unspeakable and full of glory, joy that passes understanding, joy the world doesn't know, an inner joy, a peaceful joy, even in sorrow, that we can have joy because Christ is our, because Christ is our, our Savior, he's our Lord, and we have his mercy that's everlasting. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, didst die for me? We can have joy even in the middle of a pandemic, even in the middle of uncertainty. When not knowing what's happening in 2021, we can have joy. Because Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the truth of these verses before us. We thank you for the joy that passes understanding. The joy that... Angels cannot even know about, Lord, because, Father, they never felt the joy that our salvation brings. Joy that's found in Christ exclusively alone, not in this world. Lord, I pray this morning that, Lord, you might speak to every heart of every Christian, dear God. Maybe we've been looking for joy in all the wrong places. Maybe we've been looking for joy, searching for joy with a wrong definition of what joy is. Paul said, I've learned from what service stated a minute, they were to be content. And then he said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Uh, Two-word two sermon in one word. Rejoice, rejoice. In good times and in bad times. Lord, help us to rejoice. Lord, we don't know what 2021 is going to bring. We don't know if we're going to get through this year, Lord. But we know one day we're going to be with you forever and ever. Lord, I pray you bless this morning. May we get our joy from Christ and Christ alone. 
And then I pray, Lord, for those that need to receive Christ as their Savior, Lord. I pray that today would be their day of salvation. We'll thank you for it. Lord, I pray you bless in our moments of invitation, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Would you take our hymn book and turn to And Can It Be That I Should Gain? I'm sorry, I, page, I should have been. 500.